Louise, look at this. We're chatting right now on video chat, as we do with this podcast. Uh-huh. I've got a brand new water bottle. Show what you see, Louise. It's a bit like a penis. What? <laughs> what is wrong? Genuinely, what is wrong with you? This is just a green water bottle. <laughs> I do worry for you. You said say what you see. <laughs> well, look, and then watch this then. Watch this, because you think, how am I? how's Bush going to get any water out of this? Oh, go on. Oh, so it's like a snazzy thing. It's like your new gadget, is it? It's my new gadget. In case listeners, you didn't quite hear that. That is the mechanical top of my bottle opening, just by the push of a button. One more time. And sometimes if you press that, if you're watching, you know when you go to grab a drink whilst you're watching TV and not concentrating properly enough? I've hit myself in the face and glasses with that a couple of times. So just, it comes with a word of warning. Hang on now, Bush. Let me see its full length. Oh, now, what, where's this going? No, no, I swear it. Oh, oh, okay. So it's not even that long. Okay, Grant. Okay. Yeah. We're still talking about the water bottle, okay? What, what does that take, 50 CLs? I don't know. Do you know what? I don't, that's a very good point. I don't know how many CLs. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of against the, the wanton use of um, CLs, etc. Like, for example, do you get annoyed with bin bags? Why, why do they have bin bags in terms of how much Different water Different sizes. They I know. Just, just I know. have one size of bin bag rather I than a 50. I, I always come back with like 75 centiliter or whatever it is, bin bags, and you need 300. What's, what's the point in that? Just make them one size. But this is not a bin bag podcast. This is the A to Z of everything uh, with Bush and Lou. Uh, welcome back to another episode. Louise, how have you been? I've been really, really good. I'm a bit nervous because we are having people over for lunch and the plan was to do... It's not... It wasn't my idea. The plan was to do a 24-hour brisket and then create tacos from that brisket. Would you and risk it for a, a brisket? A brisket, exactly. Well, the answer is you shouldn't risk it for a brisket because we tried the brisket this morning and it's pretty tough. Oh, no. So, so you think it might need more? How many How many hours have you got left until they actually get through the door, though? We have like, no, no, no. But I think, may, does tough not mean it's overdone, Bush? Have we not oh, overdone yeah. it already? No, no, but doesn't it start tough and then you've got a, it, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's a really good point. I know. So we're sort of just looking at each other going, what do we do now? So, what are you cooking it in? So we put it in the oven last night at like the lowest, lowest, lowest temperature. We did loads. I mean, we say we, I did nothing. Um, you know, Tom basically um, put the brisket, looked at loads of YouTube videos, prepared the meat. <laughs> I hate yeah. that term. Prepared his meat. Prepared and then, his meat. Yeah. And then um, like he had all the butcher's paper and everything. And he had the thermometer to stick inside the brisket to make sure it's the right temperature. It went okay. on last night. It was so deliciously smelling this morning when we woke up. And it's really tough, Bosch. I'm kind of wondering <laughs> if we should just change tact completely. Get one in. Get like okay. a pre-cooked one in. Can I just say, so you essentially you went to bed last night with the oven on. I know. I felt really nervous. So I was like, it's not going to like set fire, is it? He's like, it's literally nearly off. And I was like, okay, fine. Grand. It's got all the hallmarks of the opening 20 minutes of London's Burning, that TV show. Even when I went for a pee in the middle of the night and I, I have to pass the like the corridor and there was a light light shining, I was like, what the? I was like, oh, yeah, it's the oven. Calm down. It's just the oven. Because oh, people do that, though, don't they? They're like, they'll leave the oven on if they're going out, if they're, you know doing a roast dinner and it needs to be in there for ages. Or even just like, um, have you ever owned or, or do you have like a, a slow cooker or a pressure cooker? I do. I have the crock pot. Yeah. And I suggested he use that. And he said, I wouldn't use that thing if you paid me. And I was like, really? why? He, he just, What's his, what? 
he just likes the more traditional way of doing things, um, and he hates those sort of gadgety kitchen things. So he won't You'll use be it. His I, words at I, lunchtime, I won't he, Lomo? I was going to say, I think he's in the wrong. I think that had gone in the slow cooker last night. Would have been amazing today. Big life lesson coming up for Tom. Do report back in the next episode uh, how that goes. Um, We just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has uh, signed up for the podcast so far. We love each and every one of you. Uh, Obviously, you can find us on Instagram. It's still called... The 80s and the 90s, isn't it? So It is, but we're, we're working on changing it. If anyone knows, actually, this is a really good idea. If anyone <laughs> knows if you can change a handle on Instagram, that would be amazing. I've been trying all week. I can change the username, uh, which I have, to the A to Z of everything. So our picture comes right. up, Bush. The actual name of the podcast comes up. But the handle is still A to Z of the 90s, which I'm trying to change as we speak. If you have any handle uh, intel, do get in touch about that. Uh, we want to say a big thank you to the Inappropriate Thought Store on yeah. Instagram, who, who uh, sent out a lovely uh, message saying devastated to have finished the 80s of the 90s this morning but Jesus two episodes into the new series uh, of the 80s of everything and driving back over the M62 I was looking around my car wondering what is the largest object that would fit in my ass Christ almighty Bush and going for a folded up car air freshener that's fair play we could win uh, the string for ease of removal oh, she goes into a lot of detail I had to get that back out again but she does add I urge everyone to listen to this masterpiece thank you so much for listening to our podcast interesting that you say she I thought that account was a he oh I don't know I'm not sure I just That's presumed it was so that. funny I think it's he do you reckon well please confirm the inappropriate thought store maybe it is a he I mean yeah. I'd say overall in the grand scheme of things women are far less reluctant are more, more reluctant to get involved with the uh, hypothetical situation of what you could get up your bum as soon as they went to that, you just automatically thought woman. I was like, no, 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 Bush. This is definitely a man who's going to put an air freshener up his bum. A woman would never do that. She'd be way too cautious of like pH levels and hygiene and stuff like that. Well, And also as well, I don't think a woman would go that extra step of saying the string is great for removal as well. But but if if you're that person, do get in touch and clarify. What's that? What are you doing? Sorry, I'm just moving my pop shield. The producer of this show said that all my peas are, are really loud and they're p- p- popping, so I'm trying to now move it. Sorry, Dane. Speaking of Dane, by the way, our producer, Dane, right? He's a lovely chap. We love Dane. We love Dane, but he he says it like he sees it. And it's really hard to categorise Dane because he, I think of him in my mind as like a claymation. Do you know what I mean? Do you, yeah. Have you ever met him in person? Who, Dane? Yeah. Yeah, I've met Dane. We've met Dane loads of times. <laughs> well, it's not a fictional character. <laughs> Maybe like with COVID, you might not have met him. Like, and he moved to like no, he's moved to the Midlands. So I just assume maybe you hadn't met him. But he's just been on a, a, a cruise, I think, in a, that Norwegian cruise thing. Yeah, and he enjoyed getting off and having a crawl around, etc. But he said he hated the boat bit of being on a cruise. Now, I've done a cruise recently with work, and I can't wait to go and do another one at some point in my life if we can ever afford it again. But. In terms of you, Louise, would you do you think you'd enjoy being on a boat? I, I loved being on a boat. That was the best bit. I didn't. It wasn't interesting getting off. I would absolutely hate it because, <sighs> like, I basically get car sick in the back of an Uber on the way home from town. I would hate to be on a boat for that long. But the worst thing about his um, description of that trip, Bush, uh-huh. is that <laughs> I didn't even respond because I didn't know what to say. He said that his. His what do you call the rooms cabin? Would it be a cabin? Yeah, well done, well done for the, the seafaring term. Thank you. Uh, he said his cabin had no windows, so it ruined his body clock. That is that not your oh. worst nightmare? Going to sleep in the dark, waking up in the dark, not being able to figure out if it's night or day, only having to be able to check your clock to see if it's time to get up. That would make me feel. Oh my god, I just felt a bit sick there talking about it. Yeah, yeah, that, I could see you. It's a complete change in your colour. 
that would make me feel sick. Never mind being on the 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 ship itself, not being able to see sunlight or daylight would freak me out. Forgive me if this is um, uh, a generalisation or stereotyping, Louise. But given that you are from Ireland and you spend quite a lot of time over here in England, yeah. have you not been on your fair share of ferries? I've never gotten over, a bush. I've never gotten it. Really? I've never, ever gotten the ferry because I just oh. feel I would be so... Do you know what this comes from, right? This comes from a family holiday that came years and years and years ago. I was probably only... I was definitely under 10, between 5 and 10. And my dad had this broad idea to go from Kerry to Skellig Rock, which is a rock in the middle of, like, <laughs> the Atlantic. And... Is it in Ireland? Is it an Irish thing? It's an Irish island, but it's basically a rock where all these monks used to live and they used to go out there to meditate and live in the wow. wilderness. And they built all these sort of hive type things and lived there and yeah, and they were self-sufficient over there. But you can go and visit it now, but it's like three and a half hours away on a, on a tiny boat. By the way, I don't know if Atlantic is the right sea. I think it is. Um, and so Excellent. he just... He decided to to ship us all off on a day to Skellig Rock, and oh God, Bush, we nearly got, we nearly died on that trip. Basically, <laughs> I, I'm not. No, you even, didn't nearly die. Come I on. swear, we nearly died. So it was a very small boat, and we uh-huh. set off. There was probably only ten people on the boat, with a guy driving the boat and another guy helping him. And it was driving, incredibly driving the boat. Yeah, yep. it was incredibly, incredibly rocky. And I got sick from like the beginning. And you know when you know you're in for something for the long haul. I got sick for the entire trip. And then it got choppier and windier and rainier and, and more treacherous. And the guy who was helping the driver of the sh- of the little boat said, you don't need to worry, you don't need to worry. All you need to worry about is if I take off my T-shirt because then you know I'm preparing to go under. And half an hour later, Bush, he took off his T-shirt because oh he gosh. really believed that we were going to capsize and we were going to go under. That actually, there was me mocking it at the beginning. Uh, that does sound like you were nearly in- involved in a maritime disaster. It was horrible. And then we got to Skellig Rock and we couldn't even really dock there because it was so rough. So people had to like jump from the boat onto the rock. I was too young. So I had to stay on the boat for the whole thing. It was, it was honestly one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> Trigger. It sounds really triggery. Yeah. I mean, we did we did lots of Irish crossings when I was a kid because my mum and dad. I don't know. I think our family are from uh, Ireland from years back. Is it we- Wick- Wickford? Wickford? Wexford? Yeah, Wexford. Wexford. I think they're from. Um, but we we used to go to Galway a lot, Cork mm. quite a bit, and all that kind of stuff. So I've been on loads of you know the the, the ferry, and there was a lot of like. I remember the the, the iconic. 1980s memory for me, and this is such of an era, I remember going into the Bureau de Change yeah. of the ferry that I was going over to Ireland on with my dad to get some money when we were mid, midway through this rough crossing, and someone had been sick in the ashtray oh in the God. Bureau de Change. Yeah. If ever there was an 80s, like, a collection of purely 80s things, that is it. Bureau de Change, ferry, ashtray, actually at the till. Oh, horrendous God. and you were going in to get your Irish punts were you I don't even know what we were doing in there yeah very very weird because we had our own currency for like you know obviously we changed with the euro you guys didn't but I miss the Irish punt I have to say anyway look let's get on with the podcast because I could talk about that for a while and this kind of this links into very nicely my first choice by the way <laughs> Well, let's tell everyone what we're doing. If you remember from last week, we, we plucked what we thought would be a fairly um, straightforward letter. This is the A to Z of everything where, you know, what we do, we categorise and record everything in life by organising it in alphabetical order. We're not, you know, controlled or restricted by decades or anything like that. It could be anything. We drew I out of the bag of destiny 
And I thought that's going to be fairly easy. But we, in our WhatsApp chat this week, we've had a, a few moments where we've worried that we've not got enough stuff to talk about. But I think we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I've done a bit of research myself and I'm going to kick off That's Okay Bush this week. Do it. And I'm going to kick off with, obviously, the Irish or just Ireland in general. So now, This is so interesting, yeah, right? Yeah, go on. Well, go I was on. sat downstairs before we did this recording and uh, we were trying to think of stuff, me and Katie, my other half, about stuff beginning with I. And she said, of course, Ireland. But would Louise think of that? Would that come to Louise seeing as she is Irish? And I was like, I, do you know what? I don't know. But you've proved that you, it obviously is the first thing on your mind, which is good. Well, I was thinking about like, you know, I was thinking about would I say like Irish stew or like Irish soda bread or like, you know, would I go with that? And I was like, well, why don't, if it's I, why don't we just put the whole of Ireland in there or the whole of the Irish? What do you think? I need your help with this. So is that going to be Ireland that we put on the list or is it going to be the Irish in general? So what do you think it should be? I think the Irish, just the Irish and the things that the Irish people do, because you're, um, you're a lovely, friendly lot, but you do have some strange foibles, things that you do. It's quite different over there. Are you basing that on me, though? Or are you because ba- I are you basing that on me? Or are you basing that on your experience of other Irish people as well? Uh, I'm basing it on going to. I don't know where we went. I think it might have been outside Galway somewhere on a, on a family do, and it was the streets were packed. And I was thinking, what's going on here? Like a football team going to come through on an open top bus or something like that? Literally, everyone hanging out the, the windows of this little village, and Daniel O'Donnell. <laughs> Uh, came through waving from an open-top car. And I was like, what is going on in this country? That's way better than a football team. Yeah, well, he, at least they love him. He is Irish. He is Ireland's sweetheart, isn't he? Like, it's very strange. Like, I think you and I have discussed Daniel O'Donnell before. We have. And I love how, like, confused you are about him as a character, as a person. as a. He's like the a... messiah over there, isn't he? <laughs> he was for a really long time. And even my granny used to love him. I think with time moving on, he's less popular. Um, but yeah, back in the day, in terms of, like, grannies, you know, they absolutely loved him. And the music, his music, they just, they were obsessed. And, and, you know, in talking of I for Irish, the Irish, what Irish things do you do in your life that you've brought over from Ireland with you, would you say? God, I think the list is too long. Um, Obviously, you know, I'm obsessed with obviously bringing the Irish tea over. That's a big one. Um, Irish tea? I don't know, Bush, to be honest. I think, I think I thought maybe... I think the Irish accent is still quite strong and I've been uh-huh. here for 12 years and I thought maybe it might have gone a bit by now, but I think if it stayed this long, it's probably not going anywhere. If you, When you go back over to Dublin, do people say, oh, your accent's gone a bit yeah. um, gone a bit London, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, if I'm on the phone to my mum for a while or one of the girls, I apparently sound much more Irish when I get off the phone. I don't know how... Yeah, I, my mum does that. Yeah, mom does really. does that with uh, like, sisters and that from Liverpool, comes yeah. straight back off like boys from the black stuff. Exactly. And I think I definitely rein it in with terms that I know you guys don't have like deadly like we discussed before and things like that so when I'm on the phone and I know I can say those things I definitely make use of that you know okay and cooking wise one final thing because obviously we started this uh, chat talking about brisket and uh, Tom's impending uh, lunch disaster yeah if you were to cook an Irish thing today mm-hmm. could you cook could you cook an Irish thing or is, is there something that you've got in the locker yeah, like there's, you know, I, I always cook like an Irish soda bread around Christmas to have with smoked salmon and lemon because that makes me feel really homely. Um, mm. And have you ever had an Irish soda bread? I've had soda bread, but not necessarily an Irish soda bread. Well, yeah, maybe it's just that soda bread is has come from Ireland. I'll, I'll make you a soda bread. What are we now? We're September. I'll make you a, an Irish soda bread around Christmas time to have on Christmas Day. That'd be great because I, I remember for my birthday a few years ago, um, Katie very kindly bought me, um, I, I don't know what we went to make, but we went to like a bread making class. Nice. And there's this, this kind of bread where you have um, like a little pot of like a thing. It's like a live in a pot. Yeast? 
I don't know, but it was like a, it's called it a starter. Oh wow! So you have this starter in a pot, and you keep adding to it, and and then you you make I can't remember the name of the bread is now. And then bread Maybe is born listen, from that. Yeah, the bread is born from that, but you keep adding to it and growing the starter in this little Tupperware pot. And it takes bloody air. I thought, oh, well, brilliant. I can just go and start making this. But it takes like three weeks. It's like three weeks <laughs> preparation time. Our mutual friend, Christopher Skinner, right? Chris Skinner. Yeah. He, um, he makes this stuff all the time. You, once you get up and running with it, it's fine because you've got this kind of living thing in a Tupperware container. Yeah. Uh, but then he used to take a little bit out of it and he'd make that into whatever that was. This sounds like witchcraft. Like, what are you talking about? There's a living thing in Tupperware that Chris Skinner takes bits of from time to time to create a loaf of bread. Do you mind if I just go and shout down the stairs and ask Katie what it was? Of Sorry course. about this for the podcast. Everyone, just wait there. You're just with Louise for a second. Give me one second. Sorry about that. Sourdough. Sour. You couldn't remember sourdough. <laughs> I just did it. I can never remember sourdough. It's I have like this the, like blind spot. It's like the most popular bread in London at the moment. But okay. Did you realise that it's such no. a massive pain in the ass? Why? Who could be bothered to making that? Because I just thought we could come back home and then start boom, make sourdough. But you've yeah. got to grow a, like a, almost like another person. Bush, that sounds like too much hard work. I'll make you some... Oh, God, now I got confused. Now you want to say sourdough. I'll make you some soda bread, Irish soda bread, and I'll give you the recipe. It's made with black treacle, and I'll make you that what? around Christmas, I know. And I'll give you the recipe, and you can, if you like it, you can make it yourself. Sorry, what the hell is black treacle? It sounds like, A, like, a, like an indie band... So you've never or, heard of treacle? Treacle is like... I've, a, I've heard of treacle, okay, but what the hell's yeah, yeah. black treacle? I think there's a type of treacle, basically, and I think all treacle is quite dark, but um, it's there's like a good spoon of, like, big, large dessert spoon oh. of black treacle in this loaf. It's delicious. Okay, well, I'll give that a go. I'd like to make that. Is it, yeah. is it, does it take as long as... Um... Absolutely not. I don't have the time for that sourdough nonsense. Okay, I is for the Irish and all the brilliant things that they make, including black treacle-based... Um, soda bread. That's the right one, isn't it? I don't want to say yeah, yeah, sourdough no, it again. Is, it is, it is, it is. Sourdough be gone. Um, speaking of which, I just mentioned indie bands there. Another eye I want to chuck in is indie bands and indie music, and specifically oh. just going to watch bands when you were like a teenager because uh, for me, when I was 15 and 16, we used mm. to go and watch a lot of bands like Kingmaker and uh, who else did we used to watch back then? Cud and Curve and, and all these kind of blur when they were first starting out and everything like that. And the thing that we used to do then... Uh, it's quite different from how I watch gigs now if I ever go to a gig. What I used to do, I don't know if this is the same for you, we would turn up outside the gig so early, like two or three hours before they opened the door. So say they were, we were watching a gig at the Exeter Lemon Grove, which is the little bar at Exeter University where the bands would play back in the 90s. I don't know if it's still going. Uh, and we'd sit outside cross-legged and, and you'd hear the soundtrack checks. You could hear the drummer testing the drums out and all that kind of stuff. And just the anticipation by the time you then got let in and then the support band came on, and then building up then for the main band. But now if I go and watch gigs, who, I feel really bad now because I don't, don't go and watch support acts. I'll, I'll work out because you can see online what time they're on. Then we'll sweep in after the support band's like finishing up, which is terrible, and I'd know that. And then I'll go before the end. I'll go, if they get stuck into an encore, I'll just go straight away. Going before the end is bad, Bush. Come on, that's the Isn't worst. It? That's the worst part of that because... That is, and also, yeah, I know what you mean. We don't support support bands anymore. I find myself looking up online before a gig. Okay, what exact time does it start at? Let's go exactly yep. then and then get out of there. Now, I do stay for the encore because I do love that stuff. But I know what you mean. Like getting out before the crowd, especially if you've driven there, is, yes. yeah, I know, I know. It's, but it's terrible, a terrible, it's it? a descent into like 
you know, being old, I think, because I remember, you know, going to football quite a bit. There used to be people who leave 10 minutes before the end. I was like, you've pay, paid your money, stay till the end, what's going on? And now I'm doing it. And I tell you the other thing, and if you're listening to this and you're one of these people, you need to, you need to check yourself, right? People who look up the set list online <laughs> before a band plays, what is that all about? I know. But the problem is I can feel myself heading in that direction because if I, if I try and leave early, which I do to try and beat the traffic, because I think part of it is living in Essex, yeah, so it takes an hour and a half Fair. to get home from a, a gig in London or whatever. So you, you, you've got a different kind of approach to time and everything and, and getting back to the house. So there's that. But what I've started to do a little bit is, well, if I Google the set list, I know what they're going to play in the encore and then I can work out whether I want to do that. Is that why you're looking it up? Yeah, because you want to know once that song starts, I'm out of here. This is it. So like, you know, are, are the three songs they come back on and play at the end worth me sticking around for? And then that for me is the beginning of the end of uh, the excitement of live music. I've ruined it for myself. Because when you started this story, I was going to say to you, like, what's different now from when you used to go to a band back in the day to now? And do you get the same excitement? And obviously the answer is no. Wouldn't it be great to sort of capture that magic again and be able to go to a gig and think, okay, do you know what? I am going to go early and I am going to have a couple of drinks and I am going to be there for the whole support. Do you think it's because we're older and we're just more tired? Maybe. I do feel tired all the time. If I stand for a long time watching a gig or anything, the backs of my legs really hurt. My calf muscles really hurt. So what I would love, I dream of this, but I'd get beaten, like beaten to death in a modern festival. But you know one of those fishing seats? Yes, that my, I know my dad's exactly got what fishing you're saying. Seat, yeah, that just and it open makes it. it, it yeah, just open up and, it, and it, it, I think it go, It turns into like a walking stick or something, but then the top opens, you can sit on it. I know this is terrible because obviously you and I work in, in radio and music and stuff, Bush, and you probably like me get invited to gigs sometimes. Yeah. And I find myself asking like, are there seats? And if there aren't, I'm just not going to go. And like, if you had told me that, like even probably six or seven years ago, I'd be like, what? And now I'm like, if there's no seats, I'm sorry. I just can't. I can't be standing for that long. It's too well, much. I remember I remember watching PJ Harvey at the Bristol Hippodrome years ago, and it was an all-seater, and I couldn't get my head around it. I was like, what is all this about? What a waste of having a really good kind of rocking set like she did. And then we're all sat there tapping our toes. I know. And now, like you say, fast forward onwards, you know, I'd give it, you know, I look around and it's no, if it's no seating, I do actually have a bit of a panic. Do you know what else has changed in my life as well? This has nothing got to do with eyes. But like when I book dinner now, I used to book dinner for like half eight or like eight o'clock and we'll go out and we'll have a glass of wine. I find myself trying to book like 6.30 dinners now and stuff, Bush. That's pathetic, isn't it? I basically love an early bird these days. It's end of days, isn't it? It is. End of, we, need to, we need to spice our lives up a little bit. But um, a little warning for us all. I, in the A to Z of everything, is for indie bands. Okay, so this is something that I haven't had in years. And every time I see it on a menu, I'm like, I need to have it. And then I eat my main and then I get too full and I can't get it. But I have great memories of this drink back in the day. And I don't know what happens, but you reach a certain age and you can't, well, I was going to say eat them. They're sort of, they're drinks, but you can't really drink them anymore. And that's an ice cream float. What is it? What is that? What's an ice cream float? Pardon, Bush? I don't think I've ever had one. What, what? is it? What's wrong with you? Okay. Okay, sit back, sit back, sit back. Okay. Go on, explain what it is. So an ice cream float is any sort of fizzy drink that you want. So it could be like a glass, a nice tall glass of Coke or a tall glass of, um, I think I remember having one with Fanta back in the day, which now seems right. gross, but just so worse back in the day. Um, a tall glass of Coke, we'll say. And then they get a right. big scoop of ice cream and they plop oh. the ice cream onto the top of the drink. And then you stick a straw in it and you're basically having ice cream and Coke and it's called an ice cream float. I cannot believe I'm explaining an ice cream float to you, Bush. 
That sounds awful. Genuinely, that sounds absolutely awful. The, the, the mix of Coke, like, you know, darkness of Coca-Cola and ice cream must... How does that look after five minutes? But it looks disgusting. It looks disgusting, but you are, you are rushing from all of the sugar and so you don't really care and it's just I, I, I don't think I had them very often I think they're definitely like a treat thing and they're kind of available in diners and stuff um, and I think if your parents let you have them they're like they just have signed up for you being mental for two hours afterwards <laughs> or like yeah. just crashing in the back of the car on the way home but it's something that I feel like I, I need to try again just, okay, okay we need to go out and just have an ice cream float one day Bush then I, I don't think we they are around still I, I don't see in modern society 2023 that that can be a thing that you can have anywhere like I reckon you'd have your face slapped if you asked for that in a restaurant <laughs> now why do you just think it's too decadent or something what are you thinking I just don't think it'd be it can't be a thing like I mean, I, we used to, when I was a kid, we used to put, me and my brother used to put um, cubes of sugar in the top of a Coca-Cola. I remember doing that. It's like a, I used to love the fizz of up of it, used, what it used to kind of bubble over. And it made it taste even more sugary. I'm sure it was horrendous for us. Of course. Didn't you steal all the time, but occasionally it was like a little treat. But that, the Coke float is like the next level on from that. I mean, that is, that's someone else, that, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I think it was probably birthdays and special occasions. If you are listening to this and you've had a Coke float, let's get a sighting, uh, an eyewitness account of this, in the past... Five years. Mm-hmm. Get in touch now. You can tweet me at Bush on the radio or A to Z of the nineties podcast on Instagram. Okay, so that's another I. I mean, let's stay on that that subject. Actually, I for ice cream. Yeah, if I can. Um, I've been weirdly enough railing about a particular ice lolly this week um, to everyone, anyone that will listen, because I just think it's disgusting. But they still are being sold in ice cream vans around the country, and that's a funny feat. What's your view on the funny foot ice cream? My God, I haven't thought about funny feet in like 25 years. So they're in the shape of a foot. Yes. They're pink and white. I don't know. I think unless the inside is white. Like I say, I've I've, I've not had one for ages. Okay, can you describe what you, um, can you describe what you think they look like to me and what they taste like and that will will rejig my memory? Uh, It's just a human foot (laughs) with a stick coming out of the heel of it. Uh, and then I think if you suck on the toes, then I believe there's a whiter bit underneath the kind of pink surface. But if you see someone eating these things, I mean, it's literally just like, you remember David Meller? There was a big kind of scandal around him sucking the toe of someone he was having an affair with. Oh, okay. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of an 80s tabloid reference there, but it just looks like someone's giving somebody a foot job. It's so, so grim. So do you think the creation of... What is it called? A funny foot? Well, this is it. I don't know how you describe it if it's plural. Oh, but is it funny? But it is funny is the word before it. Okay, so... Yeah, so do you think? So do you think the invention of the funny foot then basically kicked off a lot of foot fetishes in young people because, you know, obviously young kids are, are eating them and then they associate uh-huh. that when they get a bit older in their, in their puberty years and therefore it kicks off a foot fetish maybe? I like that. It's good psychoanalysis there. If yeah. that's the case with uh, funny feet, God knows what the screwball has done to a generation as well, but let's not even go there. Uh, so in the A to Z of everything, I, just a little footnote, is ice cream. So you know the way you think I'm like addicted to narcotics or that I just talk about them a lot? Well, I mean, I, I've tweeted during the week before this episode saying if you want a, a comprehensive guide to get you, getting your hands on illicit substances, listen to last week's episode. Fantastic, and yes, do. Um, I So then, if that's if that's the brush you're tarnishing me with, right, I'm going to stick uh-huh. with it, and I'm just going to give a little nod to ibuprofen. And that's because 
Uh, they so you know the way I introduced you to NeuroFan Plus. Do you remember that? I do. It was it was a game changer. Yeah. So basically, NeuroFan Plus are ibuprofen tablets with something extra. I don't know what the extra is. It's either codeine or like coffee or something. I don't know. But that is an unbelievable painkiller and I've introduced it to you and I introduced it to Mel and you two got a bit fuzzy when you took it like you got a bit giggly and fuzzy yeah we had, we, we took one each again we don't recommend doing this at home but we did it for um, show purposes as, as an experiment and it was like one of those, you know those like black and white LSD experiments from the 1940s where a straight laced person with a ticking clock in the background and a, and a crackling open fire with a doctor takes an LSD tab to see what the effect is. Mel and I were bouncing off the walls. You really were. And then we became, you know, now now uh, Neurofan Plus is the profile picture of our WhatsApp group and everything. It is. We couldn't, how we roll. We couldn't have this podcast without a bit of a nod to uh, ibuprofen. Okay, so yeah, there you go. I is for ibuprofen. Another mention of... Uh, narcotics or something from Louise. That's two episodes on the trot right Might be three, actually, to be honest three, with you. Yeah. Hi to Stu Wilson, who's got in touch with us in the week uh, with a great suggestion of Ikea, which is oh. iconic. Ikea. Uh, particularly Ikea. But, you know, the meatballs, absolutely fantastic. So it's worth that at the end. Even just the hot dogs you can get, that's that's worth it. Used to just go there just for dinner when I lived in Bristol. Just drive to Ikea, not go anywhere near the, the, the shop for the, you know, Furniture or anything, just go and have dinner there, which is an amazing thing. Occasionally love reversing the flow. Have you ever walked against the flow of Ikea? That gives me anxiety, Bush. But there's a, every Ikea has got a bit where you can cut through. You know, because it's quite hard if you try and yeah. go backwards or meet up with people. Yeah. And you think, I'm going to be lost forever like Tom Hanks in that airport movie. Um, a lot of Ikeas have got like a little cut through near like the mirrors section that jumps you ahead of time. It's almost like some kind of... Wormhole. So keep an eye out for that, folks. Um, Bush, you know the way you went there for the meatballs? Yeah. This could be wrong, and I'm really sorry, and this is allegedly, okay? But weren't, didn't it come out that allegedly their meatballs were made from horse meat? No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it I don't did. think so. I honestly think it is. We can look it up, or maybe we it, should Well, if they up. did, if they are, then I might get a bit more horse in my diet because it tasted <laughs> damn good. Um, I love Ikea. Do you know why I love Ikea? Because it's the place where even if you're flat broke, so you're a student and you move into a house share and you've got nothing, you can literally go with like a hundred quid and kit out your bedroom. And I think that is amazing for anyone to be able to do that. I have a lot of respect for Ikea. I bet I bet a lot of money that you, maybe in your flat, because I've not been to your flat, have you got one of them wavy zigzag mirrors from no, Ikea? No, I actually don't. I really made <laughs> That's the it. Student thing. I know. I, my bed was from Ikea for a long time, but I think as I moved, as I got a bit older, I tried to move away from Ikea stuff, but I think it's brilliant for people who don't have loads of money on the go to have the option to get really nice, clean, new stuff. I think that's brilliant. God bless the malm, the drawers, and I tell you what, if you're in the board gaming community like I am, you cannot beat the Kallax for an amazing uh, wall shelf display thing for brilliant. games. Brilliant. Can't beat it. Okay, um, just, I don't know, I'm just going to throw this in towards the end. Instant coffee. And the reason I'm saying that is because you love your coffee, I love my coffee, not as much as you, I'm way more about tea, but like, I love a really nice coffee on a Saturday morning that I make in the Nespresso thing, right? But if you're right. just on the go and you just need to throw a coffee into you, love a bit of instant coffee, the odd time. Yeah, absolutely. Could you just tell me that you put the milk in first, then add the coffee in the spoon and then pour the hot water on top? Or what, what's what's... Kind of order do you make things in, Louise? So I used to do that, Bush, because I thought it made a creamier coffee. But like, yeah, I, don't, I don't, I don't, but what happens? The granules don't 
melt as much in the cold milk than they do in the hot water. And I found like a few a few sort of rogue grains going around the top once the water was added. So I started, I went back to water and grains and then adding milk, granules. Is it grains? Granules. Granules. I, okay, I mean, like, I, I have like a, uh, a trademarked Andy Bush style. Go on, tell me. Um, milk. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll put the milk in first, uh, coffee granules in there on top, hot water, but mix it up low to almost froth. Oh, I can't say the words. As if you're a listener to the uh, Mel Gedrowitz show on uh, Magic from back in the day. Froth, froth, You're froth. saying it. Say it. You're saying it right. Either way, whatever that stuff is on the top yeah. of milk, I, I make it with that and then it speckles on the top. I love it when, it, when coffee speckles on, on an instant coffee. Mm. I think that's the bit I didn't like and that's the bit I was trying okay. to get away from. I'll never make you a coffee. <laughs> uh, one very quick one from Colin. Uh, who says, in-store adverts, and he sent us a, a video of what appears to be a JML. You know, when you go into a, a somewhere like Wilco and they've got like a, a stand which has got like inventions on it, you can see one being demonstrated on a TV screen. Uh, I, I remember back in the day we had hairbrush that cuts your hair, mm. one of them off JML. And also, do you remember the furry worm, the whirly? No, tell me. Little tiny whirly, little furry worm from the 80s. What did it it just had a thread on the end, a bit of uh, fishing. Oh my wire. god! It, I know exactly what you're talking about. It I can make it go across your hands, yes. and people would think it was actually alive. <laughs> uh, that's one of them, anyway. Right, we're running out of time. We need to pick a stone from the bag of destiny, which has got a letter written on it for next week's episode. I think we've done all right with I there. Yeah, Don't we did. We were a bit nervous. We're a bit, we were a bit nervous, weren't we? But we did it. We pulled it off. We should trust ourselves on this. Okay, let's let's delve. Say when, Louise, and I'll okay. stop rummaging. When. Oh, it's a big stone. Oh, this is good. Yeah. Next week's episode is things in life beginning with F. Brilliant, we can do that. If you've got any suggestions, get in touch. Uh, you can tweet me, at Bush on the radio. Uh, you can drop us a message on our inaccurately named uh, Instagram. Get in touch on that. Or just turn up. Turn up at one of our houses. Please Come and ask to try some of Tom's brisket at Louise's flat. <laughs> Uh, and this has been the A to Z of everything we love you thank you so much for listening it's a curious mole production produced by cruise hating Dane Smith who I have met on a number of occasions thank you Louise and the music is by Revolution Void we will see you next week where we're going to be chatting about stuff beginning with F goodbye bye Bush bye Bush